that's the beauty of female friendships too, right? Um, is that we have the ability and we often go deep with each other and are very vulnerable with each other and share things. And I think that is the, the truth. It's like your story doesn't have to align perfectly, but there will be little nuggets of truth or vulnerability that we can pull from and say like, I've experienced something similar. Or I have had a similar feeling of, of loss. You're listening to Becoming, a podcast on life and self-discovery, where I, Emily, am just having unfiltered conversations with various women in my life that I've met through work, friends, networking, the wedding industry, you name it. And we're just going to talk about life struggles and how we manage them. And I hope you guys like it. Why make a plan? Because yeah. it might not even work anyways. Um, well, we, then we get so invested in our plan, right? And we plan all the things in our plan. And yes. life isn't like that. As we're learning, coming, or, you know, as we're slowly exiting this pandemic, we've learned their plans don't exist. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so true. This is why I knew you'd be perfect for this. Um, so I was thinking about talking to you today, and I was like, First of all, when was the last time I saw you in real life? I, I think it was, I am that girl maybe. Yeah, it had to be. It had to be one of those events for sure. Or did we go to dinner at Colleen and Pip's or was that your, wait. Oh no, that was at Colleen and Pip's apartment. At their apartment. Yeah. Yeah. And now they live one block over. I know. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I love that so much. But because of COVID, our kids can't even play together. So one day, one day it'll be wonderful. <gasps> oh my gosh, I know. So anyways, it's been a really long time. It has. Um, but I've been thinking about you a lot lately just because of the email that you sent me the other day about, um, I just love your emails when you're like, I need to introduce you to this incredible person. <laughs> and then, and I'm just like, Julia tracks incredible humans. Aww. And I love when somehow they make sense for me to meet them. Yeah. Um, so I, obviously I was thinking about you a lot because I had a great call with Emily the other night. Emily Ann, the other Emily Ann. The I know. <laughs> She's so sweet. Yeah. It was so funny. It's like we were looking for, you know, someone to help out and, yeah. and I liked her name. Of course. And, <laughs> and I told her and I was like, well, she's wonderful. And then when she talked about how she wants to start, she just moved out here and wants to start a wedding planning business. And it's funny because you're the kind of person that I knew that if I connected you, even if there's some sort of competition, quote unquote, in your industry, you know, yeah. um, I just knew you'd be a welcoming, warm, thoughtful person. I knew, and I knew you'd be honest with her and you'd give her like some things to look out for. And I just knew you'd be a wonderful person to connect her to. Uh, well, yeah, we had such a great talk and I, I was just like, oh my gosh, you are so lucky. You get to be surrounded by this family. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure she feels that way when the kids are both screaming at her, but we'll see. I mean, <laughs> well, that's true. I don't know your babies yet. So, oh, <laughs> uh, they're, 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 oh my God, my, my oldest, my two-year-old who just turned two is like obsessed with her. Like the minute she came, he like, and uh, you know, I don't know if it's, I think it's her. I also think it's probably nice to connect with someone else other than his mom and dad through this whole COVID thing. That's true. But he liked her instantly. So that's been really a blessing because it's, it's nice to feel comfortable. Even though I'm in the same house, it's still nice to feel comfortable that he's excited to play with someone else. For sure. And that's, I mean, what a great litmus test. It's like, 
if the yeah. kids are warm, it's like, oh, yeah. done, done. And he calls her Elemy. So he's like, Elemy, Elemy, <laughs> read me or Elemy. I'm like, oh my God, that's the cutest thing ever. That is hilarious. Uh, my little brothers um, couldn't say Emily either. And they just called me Emmy or M. That's what she yeah. said. She's like, yeah, normally little kids call me M. But he's yeah. like, Elemy, Elemy. I'm like, that's so freaking cute. I love it. He's like, no, no, no nicknames here. I yep. respect. <laughs> that's amazing well anyway so I was hoping now I know a little bit about you through I am that girl and your wedding obviously but as I was thinking like oh yeah I really want Julie to share her story I was like I feel like there's probably a ton I don't know and probably yeah or or not I'm not sure no I mean I think so I don't know yeah so interesting I know. So I was just going to say, like, I obviously am on this like journey of trying to figure life out. And I feel like this is something that people are supposed to do at like 18 to 20. And I'm 34, just like, wait, what's happening? What's going on? And the only thing that has brought me like such, I don't know, like peace and calming through all of this is hearing other people's stories and women who have not necessarily gone through the same things as me, but women who have just gone yeah. through yeah, not overcome. Easy. Yeah, exactly. And so, and like kind of piecemealing, okay, this little thing worked for them. I'm going to try that. This little thing worked for her. I'm going to try that. So, um, just so you know, a little bit of like, <laughs> I'm searching and asking for help <laughs> by way of well, story. I think that's the beauty of female friendships too, right? Um, is that we have the ability and we often go deep with each other and are very vulnerable with each other and share things. And I think that is the, the truth. It's like your story doesn't have to align perfectly, but there will be little nuggets of truth or vulnerability that we can pull from and say, like, I've experienced something similar. Or I have had a similar feeling of, of loss. But like, we just have to figure out what, what type of guilt we're okay stomaching and living with every day, right? Like you'll mm-hmm. feel guilty if you do have kids. You feel guilty if you don't have, if you don't want to have kids or if you can't have kids. You feel guilty if you want to be a working mom. You feel guilty if you want to be a stay-at-home mom. You feel guilty if you want to go out and still feel like an individual. It's like all of these things that women, there's a guilt, there's guilt that will sit on our shoulders. We just have to figure out what we're willing to carry and what we feel okay with. Um, and I think a lot of that is society. I think a lot of that is feeling the pressure of, and, and you know, you say that you're doing it at 34, but you know what, you're doing it when it's right for your journey, because I don't think it really struck me until my late twenties is that feeling of like, what the fuck is happening? (laughs) What are we doing? What am I doing? Yeah. What, what, you know, childhood trauma can I let go of to be a better person? What mis like, what patterns do I not want to repeat? Um, from my, um, and figuring out how not to, you know, how not to repeat them. That was like a huge dream point for me. I'm so glad you said that because it's one challenge to just identify what are the things and then gaining the toolbox to not do them is an entirely different process. And I would argue that you can't even really figure that out until you're put in situations where the the gut reaction is those things. Cause it's, it's all heady and psychological until you're put in those spots where you're almost sensing the urge to make that 
habit or that repetition. And completely. And until you actually identify it, you don't really even know where it comes from. Like I remember, so for instance, like with me, you know, I grew up in like a I grew up in Josh, like near Joshua Tree, which now is like the coolest thing ever, which cracked up because it was just a small little dirt town at the no. end of the road. <laughs> like my dad lived at the end of a dirt road, like no joke. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just one of those things I always had to tell people, oh, I live, I grew up near Palm Springs because nobody knew where it was. Oh, I know. And now it's like this, you know, the coolest thing on earth. So mm-hmm. that's hilarious. But, and, um, and it's a magical place. It really is. It's it, it was a very uh, wonderful and interesting place to grow up. And then, you know, I had dor- divorced parents. Um, they, I don't even remember them together, but it was, they were always co-parenting. It was always like a really loving co-parented relationship where it wasn't like I could go to mom if dad said no, or I can't go to dad if mom said no. Um, they were involved in every aspect of, of our lives and there was a lot of communication um, you know, there's always like that, this, there's always still the guilt or like the, the feelings as a child of like wanting your kid, your parents to be together. But now I'm so grateful that they weren't. Um, and then, and I felt like I was a confident kid. I felt like I had like a lot of support. My parents were always telling us we could do whatever, like anything that we wanted, you know, they were, always, we, we didn't like necessarily have everything we wanted, but we had everything we needed. Um, very like supportive childhood. Um, went to college, good, like they paid for college, you know, it's like all these like wonder, I I can't, like, I'm very grateful for all of those things. And then it's like, you get into college and you get into your relationships and you realize, you know, that you might have some, some things that you need to figure out. And, um, I, after college actually was at 24 is when I had like my first quote unquote real relationship. Um, and it ended up being an abusive relationship. And so it was one of those things where I, I've always had an amazing relationship with my dad. And what society tells you is that abusive relationships come from not having a good foundation with your father, or like, at least that's the, the misunderstanding that I had. And so even in the beginning of the relationship, I just couldn't, it's like, no, well, this wouldn't happen to me. Like I had a lot of friends, I'm confident, like You know, I'm educated. I, all these like bullshit things that we think if you can check these boxes, you're not susceptible. Right. Right. And, um, and so for four years I was in this like verbally, emotionally, sometimes physically abusive relationship, which just didn't match the way I had viewed myself. Um, which I think was, that was one of the hardest things is just even accepting it just accepting that that's what it was and figuring out how to, how to get through it. And I remember every time it got really bad, I would just say like, okay, next time, the next time this happens, the next time this happens. Mm. And you know, my friends were aware of it. It's just, but I hid a lot of it and I would just slowly like remove myself from not remove myself, but like distance myself a little bit from friendship so that I didn't have to go there, but I still was very engaged. So it was like this basically duality of self that I had to, constantly wow. live in and switch between and just shutting down parts of myself that, that he didn't like, or, you know what I mean? That just to, to conform to the relationship. And it's so interesting even talking about it now or thinking about it. Cause I, I just feel like she's such a different person. Like, I just want to go back and hug her because I don't, well, it's definitely part of my story and it has shaped a lot of the way that I am now. I, it almost feels like a completely different lifetime ago. Um, so really coming out of that was where a lot of the shifts happened, um, for me and a lot of the, the hard work 
for me. So at 28, when I decided to end the relationship and that of course wasn't, you know, I think I decided like a year before and it took me about a year to even get out of it. Wow. Um, and for me, what the real turning point was, um, was we had, a, a, of course, some ridiculous fight over nothing. Mm -hmm. And um, he had said to me that I was emotionally and physically weak. Like I can even like picture where I am when he says it. Wow. And I said, wow, then why would you want to be with someone who's like that? And he's like, well, I love you and I'm willing to put up with it. And I, and I just said, well, I'm not willing to be that person. And the next day was when I told him I wanted a break was the way that I knew I could distance myself. And then a week later is when I broke, broke it off with him. And then the first person I called was my dad. And I didn't necessarily tell him the details yet. I just told him that I had ended the relationship because I knew that if I told my dad, I'd never go back. Mm. And then it just uncovered like a whole journey of finding out like, what the fuck is this all for? Who am I? And honestly, how can I love myself again? because I just didn't at that point. Yeah. I had shut down so many parts about myself that I just needed to figure out like who I was again. Do you um, feel like for the first time? <laughs> yeah, do you feel like you internalize some of the things that were told to you on a loop where that was now oh, right. your identity? Completely. I think that's the hardest part, you know. Um, right after I got out of that, I started to volunteer at a domestic violence women's shelter and I, in the support group and you go through like this 40 hour training and it was so interesting. Right. And, but that is true. It's like the bruises, which again, he was only physical a few times, which by the way, should one time should be enough. But yeah. for me, it really was more, those, those will all heal. Right. It's the, it's that loop in your head that lasts for years yeah. and no matter what, no matter if you go to therapy, whatever, it's like those triggers that come up because if someone's telling you the sky is purple every single day and you know, you're smart, you're, and you're like, no, the sky is blue. Eventually the sky becomes purple because if someone's continuously telling you something, mm -hmm. it changes, it changes. Um, and as, as we know, like women, especially our frontal cortex doesn't fully develop until 28. And so think about like those relationships in your twenties are so vital on how they shape you and how they shape the way that you view things and, um, the way that you react. And so for me, yeah, a lot of it was, even though I had said to myself, well, I don't believe those things that he tells me, I don't believe that once I was coming out of it, I was like, Oh shit, I started to believe it. Like, and then when you interact with other people who don't treat you that way, you're like, wait a minute, like, what? Like, it's uncomfortable. It is uncomfortable. It is uncomfortable yeah. because you've learned to adapt. And when, and, and, and that's someone that's supposed to love you. Right. And that's someone that you are probably loving in the way that you want to be loved back. But if they're not loving you back in that way, then it, and it, it teaches you to accept something that you don't, that you shouldn't have to accept. Well, and then as a byproduct, it's then reframing what love is. So whatever you were told or whatever you, your ideals or beliefs on what love was now has this entirely different experience. And I mean, I don't want to speak for you, but I'm thinking, well, yeah, now your view on what love is, is based off of that. Yeah. And how do you break that? And how do you break that pattern? Yeah. Because for me too, it was like, in that relationship, I was like, okay, if I could just be enough, if I could be, if I could be a, a good enough girlfriend, if I could be a, a good, if I was enough of this, enough of that, enough, if I could just 
you know, be enough, then he'll finally stop doing those things. You know, he'll stop cheating on me. He'll stop being abusive. If I could just show him, you know, and that's exhausting <laughs> because you should be enough as you are, right? We're not, no relationship will ever be perfect. Every relationship will have that fight that you guys constantly fall <laughs> back into. Um, but you should be enough of like at the start, that should just be like baseline. Like yeah. you should be accepted for who you are. Um, and you shouldn't have to fill someone else's bucket constantly. Yeah. Uh, it's like, that's one of those things that it's like, we know it's true. We yeah. know what to say, but saying it and internalizing it can it's be really hard, such a hurdle. Yeah. Yeah. And it, so coming out of that for me, like straight away, I, I said, I have to go to therapy. I have to figure out why. Mm-hmm. And not that I caused it. Cause I, I have to be very clear that nobody causes abuse. Nobody, there's no reason anyone should ever treat you that way. There's nothing you've done wrong for someone to treat you that way. Um, but for me, it was like, okay, this is something I need to figure out. Cause I never want to be back here. Like I can never be back here again. And to your point, as I started talking with other women who I like, if I start, as I started to open up, cause I thought, gosh, I need to talk about this. Cause if I could just help one person, um, that will be not necessarily worth it, but then I feel like I've done my part because I never want anyone to be in this position. And as I opened up so many other women in my life who I viewed as strong and powerful and confident shared similar stories. Wow. And I was blown away about how often we can become, we can get in relationships where we just, it's just so unhealthy and so toxic. And part of it too is like, where does this effing come from in my life? Because like I said, like my dad is amazing. Like I have these, I thought I had this like great foundation. Yeah. Um, but it was to be honest and quickly became apparent. It's my relationship in, that I had with my mom. And it was the, so my mom is borderline personality disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, she'll tell you, she might say that she's that on one <laughs> at some point, you know, it, it shifts constantly. Yeah. Um, and as I started to do therapy and I started to uncover that it was like this relationship that I had learned with my mom of walking on eggshells and constantly not being enough. Nothing was ever good enough. Um, and again, I, I do think I had a loving childhood with my mom, but I do think a lot of those unhealthy patterns that I learned were from her. And as I got older and more, my mom was a great mom to younger children. And the minute we got independent, which she taught us to be. Yeah. And the minute we got vocal, it, there was a huge shift. And, um, that I think was really, really wonderful to discover and really hard because at the end of the day, no matter all the work I do, it won't change my mom. It changes the way I react. It changes the way that I invest. It changes the boundaries because Mm -hmm. boundaries are a huge problem with me. Mm -hmm. They're a huge thing that I've learned that I have to be better at. Um, And that, and then so I could identify, it wasn't just my mom, right? It wasn't just this this, uh, love relationship that I had with this man. It was also certain friendships. Mm -hmm. It was also certain bosses. And so I realized, wow, somehow I attract these type of people as well, because my nature is to make it all better, to come in and to be like the, and, and it just kept repeating itself until I did like the hard work. And even now I can see 
I can be smarter about it, how I invest in those people and I can have better boundaries, but there's still something in me that I feel like attracts sometimes that personality. Oh, Julie, this is like hitting me so squarely in the face because that is like literally, well, I didn't discover the things in the same order as you did, but, um, the revelation about my mom and the patterns I saw, it's like, so, so like when you said she's such a good mom with younger children, but as soon as we got our independence, that like struck a chord for me. And what I recently had learned from my therapist in the last couple of weeks was like, you know, let's be clear. None of this is your fault. However, people don't end up together on accident. Yeah. You are the way you are and you are attracting these personalities unbeknownst to you. So you're coming here just shocked that these things are happening on repeat, but it isn't shocking. And she's a newish therapist for me the past like three months. And she's like, I've only been working with you for three months and this is not shocking at all. And it's just like so crazy how even if we're aware of it, we have become these humans who like, I'm the same way. I'm like, I'm a fixer. I'm a problem solver. I'm a caretaker. And none of those things are bad. None of those things are bad. Yet we find ourselves in these similar relationships and it doesn't have to be with like a romantic relationship. It's friendships and these work relationships where you are drawn to the people who need taking care of. Yes. And it's like, cause it's your default. It's your default. Yep. And that's something that no one has ever told me before until just a few months ago. Well, it's like, how do you override your default? I mean, their default buttons exist. Like there's a default setting for a reason. (laughs) Yeah. For me doing that work, it was like, and what I tend to do is once I get through it, I'm like, okay, well, it wasn't that bad. I remember Uh, it wasn't the, it wasn't the therapist who I did the best, like the most work with, but I, I, seen this male therapist right away mm-hmm. and this older male therapist. And, it, and he was, you know, I, I remember this session where I'm like, well, he would do this, but it wasn't that bad. Maybe I'm just overreacting. Maybe I'm being too sensitive. Cause my whole life I've been very sensitive, right? I'm a bit, I was a very sensitive child as a highly emotional child. And so part of my thing that I had to really learn is to love that sensitivity in me. Cause I always felt like it was a negative thing. Mm-hmm. And so I would be like, oh, well he did this. And, but I was, maybe I'm just maybe I'm being dramatic. And finally he stops and he goes, Julie, one of these things would be that bad. This is that bad. And I was like, Oh shit. Yeah. You know? And then, and I think, so coming out of that and talking through that and then really identifying that it was my mom and then also dealing with that. Right. Because it, it was because they're, it's your mom. And right. so you have all of these things. And even as, as becoming a mother, and around, oh, my yeah. wedding, around my wedding, I remember I was like, yo, my mom is a little, yeah, like, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to flag this for you. And you were so wonderful and you were so compassionate. And I remember leaving that conversation with you and saying to Noel, like, oh, Emily's the right person. Like I like, because that was such a huge point of stress for me. Yeah. Um, because at that time, my mom had started this pattern that since I found Noelle, who's like this incredible partner, um, who I had to do a lot of work 
for. And honestly, when I first, in, like when I first started talking to Noel again, he was too nice, right? Like, cause my pattern is you're supposed yeah. to be like a little bit of an asshole <laughs> and you're not being that. Um, and that was hard for me to accept. So that was the other part of the work, right? Like, okay, I'm learning these tools and now I'm confronted with someone who actually is treating me with the respect that I want and actually engaging with me. And now it feels uncomfortable because I'm not getting that, like those unhealthy butterflies. So what do I do with that? You and know, like, I would argue there's nothing to fix. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like he has his own shit, but he's working on his own shit. And like, which you is know I mean? monumental. Like, he to work on the shit for him. <laughs> <laughs> that is monumental. Seriously. Yeah. So I think for that part of it, um, I'm so grateful for therapy because I really don't think I would have accepted the type of love that Noel was willing to give me. And, um, and I, and he was like such a partner from day one. Um, and I think that, you know, that put a lot of strain on my relationship with my mom even more because a, I'm identifying all of these, these issues, right. And that, and these patterns and these reasoning, this reason that again, it's sometimes it's like one of those things where like the, I, I'll hear it in therapy. I'm like, Oh, like, yeah, that makes sense. Logically that makes sense. But fuck that still really hurts. Oh, because all I sure. want is like a normal mom. Totally. You know, quote unquote. I just want like, I just want the, I want the mom who's supportive. I want the mom that when I'm happy, she's yeah. happy for me, not jealous. Yeah. It's like, oh, gosh, she yeah. bowed out of my wedding until three months before, like, um, about, nine months into, well, on and off me being pregnant, she was like in and out. But then right before my baby shower, she cut me off and wasn't there for the birth of my first child. Wasn't there for, wow. didn't leave my first child until he was like seven months old. Wow. And then she put that. herself out again, um, cut me off again. And until right before my second child was born, which by the way, I had two children within two years, yeah. so that's, like not normal. And, um, honestly really effing hard. Um, Oh, sorry. But you know, I just think it, it navigating all that and not having the mom there, but also being kind of grateful because she does bring a lot of stress and yeah, I don't know. It's just, yeah. I mean, listen, if there's anyone who understands all of that, it's me. Um, I resonate so much with all of those things. And I have had, oh my gosh, I have had almost verbatim similar experiences. And I feel like one, I don't know if this is for you, but another thing that I've had to shift is my expectations of a mom. Mm -hmm. So yes. I agree with all the things you were saying that like, um, the areas where it's like, okay, I have to set up boundaries with a mom. I have to do these things. But also it's like a therapist told me your mom has always been this way since yeah. before you were born, when you were born and now into adulthood. And she has stayed consistent in who she is. Now we're not even talking about the issues of that, yeah. but she has stayed yeah. consistent. So for you, when you keep lobbing up these experiences and hoping she'll have changed and then she hasn't, and then you're, you go away sad and defeated and disappointed. He was kind of like, there's no one really to blame in that situation, but yourself. Yeah. And that was hard because I was like, no, no, no. I, 
my friends' moms call and check in on them. My friends' moms want to celebrate their wins and I'm allowed to be disappointed when I feel failed. And it's like, it's the expectation has to shift. And that was, that was a huge game changer for me. And I mean, it didn't such a paramount relationship. Totally. Totally. Um, anyways, I could talk about my mom all day, but you mentioned it. Oh, sorry. One thing I, one thing I did learn from my therapist that was super helpful was, um, I guess, I guess when people are going through, um, addiction, um, there's a, there's like a phrase that they use called halt. So never, never get too hungry, angry, lonely, or tired because then you can slip back into your addiction easier. So my therapist would say, if your mom's calling you or she reaches out and you are you do the halt. Are you hungry, angry, lonely, or tired? If you are, do not answer the phone. Oh, I love that. That helped a lot. Cause I'm like, Oh yeah. Because then you're way more vulnerable. You're way more susceptible to that. And it also just helps in anything in life when you're going through, when you're going through especially a difficult time and you're just constantly feeling like you're just treading water. The halt is really helpful. I love that because it's a practical tool and exactly yeah. <laughs> give me practical tools. Exactly. And I was literally just going to say, you mentioned a few times the phrase, and I use this all the time doing the work. And, uh, I was going to ask because I'm, I'm really struggling and I am such a type a achiever mindset. I'm like, give me a task list and it will yeah. get done. And that's what's been really challenging. Um, my therapist, um, I hope she never hears this. Um, she, she keeps telling me, stop asking for what to do. Because I kind of every session, I'm like, okay, well, okay, so like, what should I do for this week? Like, give me homework, give me an assignment. And she keeps telling me, you didn't do anything wrong there's nothing for you to do. You need to take care of yourself. You need to be healthy. And it's so hard for me to internalize and it's so hard for me. And I feel like surely there's other people going through hard experiences and they've either heard in a podcast, read in a book, do the work. And it's like, well, what does that mean exactly? Like I'm going to therapy. I hired a business coach so that I don't completely collapse but like, what's doing the work? And I'm, I'm asking you this, knowing that I say this all the time. So but that is the work. That is the work. Like, honestly, it's like, it is going to therapy. It is asking yourself the tough questions. It is like identifying, okay, what is, what is my default setting or why are these, what are my patterns? Like that is the work and it's not fun. And it's like, yeah. I remember I had a roommate around that time and she was also going through a difficult time. And so she was, you know, I said, you should try therapy, you know? And she's like, okay, well, can you get me some references? Like, sure. Asked my therapist, got her some references. Also, by the way, she is definitely a friend that was part of my pattern and <laughs> got her like some references and that just sat on the table. Like she, and she would just like go shopping or do other things. And again, people can all like, but you can deal with what you're going through however you want. Right. So for her, it was like her escape was shopping great in the moment, but how is that setting you up for the future? Right. So for me, it's like, and and unfortunately the work takes a while. So it's like, you're putting, you are doing it, Emily, but you're not going to necessarily see the, the fruition of it until 
um, sorry, until you, until like maybe weeks from now. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm, maybe this isn't me. Maybe this is society or this has been ingrained in me from the world, but like, we're such a results driven community. Yes. And, and like you said, you're type A girl. Yeah. So to me, I'm like, okay, I went to therapy. So what are the results? What are the, what are the takeaways? What are the tools? And every once in a while, she'll give me something super practical, like what you said about the halt, which I love. Every once in a while, she'll give me something like that. But then other weeks, it's just kind of like these long, awkward pauses. And I know she's waiting for me to like open up more. Like, it's like, I've been in therapy since I was 17. So it's almost like I know too much. (laughs) Yeah. Right. You're like, okay, now you're going to do this and now you're going to do that. (laughs) Yeah. And so I just find myself so frustrated because I want to end every session with a homework assignment or like a, an acronym or a, a a task. And I guess, I mean, maybe I'm self-realizing right now, like for me, the work right now is just being in it and not also, self-care is not, I mean, self-care is such a overused phrase right now in our society. Oh, I know. But like it, that is really hard, Emily, especially yeah. for someone like you who is used to taking care of others. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually more comfortable for me to take care of someone else than to sit and take care of myself. Cause to me, yeah the words that come into my head are lazy, selfish, um, not worth it. Like, uh, this isn't a productive task, you know? Um, those are the things that come in my head and I, and, and all of that to say, I'm still working really hard to do self-care. So it's like, it's not that I'm not doing it, but, um, it's still a challenge. So Anyways, I just appreciated you saying those things and then giving a tool. And I just wanted to. Well, and I love it. You're right. It's easy to say it too, even though the work (laughs) is still happening. It's easy to say it, but I get it. I remember feeling that same way, you know, like what is the work? What am am I doing this right? When would you say you felt like, um, so whatever, whenever you like decided to leave that relationship, whatever that like benchmarker was in the timeline of Julie's life. And then you started therapy and then how long was it until you were like, okay, I see what was going on now. I feel capable of handling a new relationship. That's such a, that's such a good question. Cause as I was, as I was thinking about when you were just talking about what's the work, it's like, um, that's such a good question because I remember thinking after the, like the first probably few months with her, I would leave and be like, okay, you know, (laughs) and then, um, and then finally one day she was like, have you ever, let me go through this checklist with you. And when we identified my mom was borderline Mm -hmm. and that was like a huge, like, oh, maybe that was, I think I was even like six months in. And then I met or reconnected with Noelle. Um, and that's when I started to think like, Ooh, am I ready? Cause I could start to see myself kind of like pushing him away and rejecting. I think that was like about a year later. Okay. Um, and then it was like, okay, let me actually be really honest when I'm in there. And that's the thing. Therapy is only as good as, as honest as you are. Yeah. Right. 
like people can go to therapy for years, but if you're not really, my, my mom has gone to therapy her whole life and hasn't talked about half of the stuff she should. Um, Classic BPD. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I remember one time talking to my therapist like, oh shit. I remember I had this moment like, wait a minute, you would tell me if I was borderline, right? <gasps> and she laughed and she was like, Julie, you're not borderline. She's like, now, do you have some reactions or tools that you've learned because your mom is? Yes. Do you use those? Sometimes everybody does like, right. Everyone should have a healthy dose of narcissism. Everyone should have certain things now, but she's like, I, I would tell you, like, okay. but you do not. And I'm like, Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> oh, I go through that at least once a month. So my dad also suffers from being bipolar. And so I have my mom, BPD, my dad, bipolar, Every month I'm like, if I am crying all night, I'm like texting yeah. my therapist. I, are you sure I'm not bipolar? Cause I've been crying all night. <laughs> She's and like, no, you're just a healthy adult. Yeah, who has she, she keeps telling me emotions are important. Like good ones, bad ones, they're important to have. And, and what she always tells me, I'm so curious if yours told you that. Cause I asked the same thing about borderline and what I've been told is the fact that you're here each week and you're asking, do I have this is on, you're like people who have it, first of all, rarely are showing up to therapy and they're just the whole time convincing you that this that, doesn't yeah. exist. And so the fact oh, that yeah. you've identified it and you're watching the way you treat others and trying, she's like, that is, should be your litmus test to know. <laughs> yeah, she, yeah. My mom accepted BPD for like a month and then it was, no, no, I had just have really intense trauma, PTSD. It's like, okay, well, okay. <laughs> but it is, it's so interesting. You know, like, um, I think, I think I can, so the positive side of having a parent like that mm -hmm. is, um, I am very like scrappy and resourceful and I can tend to deal with big, difficult personalities. And again, that's a positive and also puts me back in my pattern. Right. So it's like, but my last several bosses or people that I've worked with have had similar, similar types of uh, behaviors. And so while I could go into it and maybe have healthier boundaries, I still, it's like, well, how much of that do you want to put up with? Exactly. Like, you can do it, Julie, but like, do you want to keep doing it? And I think that's the question sometimes, right? Like well, once you've identified it and once you like, because you get really skilled at it. Yeah. You're really fucking good at doing the dance. Yep. Especially when you start learning how to deal with it as a child. Yeah. That shit gets ingrained in the grooves of your brain like yeah. it's second nature. Yeah. And to be honest, I actually credit my, my ability to do weddings with that. I can yeah. handle any parent because. Well, and you can handle chaos. I can handle you, total you can chaos. Navigate it. You can have the world spinning around you and you're really good at figuring out how to, how to navigate that. And that's a skill. For sure. And I'm grateful, I guess, for that experience. But to your point, it's like now as an adult that we've recognized it just because you can. Do you want to? Do you want to? And that's honestly a question I have been asking a lot lately. I'm like, yeah, I, I am capable of a lot. I've also gone through a lot. 
lot. How much more? Like we only have this one life. Yep. How much more is it worth going through for the sake of fill in the blank? And, you know, after becoming a mom and like, listen, we're going to, we're going to mess up our, our kids are going to go to therapy. For sure. <laughs> yeah. One yeah. because I believe in therapy, but two, because like, we're not perfect and we're going to pass some shit on. Right. But it's like, I don't want to pass on the really heavy shit. I want them to go to therapy for like the good shit. Like yeah. the, I can work through this in a couple sessions. Thanks mom and dad. You were awesome kind of shit. And like, yeah, you know, I, I'm part of that. And part of what I've been navigating and figuring out is how do I have someone like my mom in my life mm. without unconsciously recreating a pattern for my children that they're going to emulate? Because I can say, mm. I can be as positive as I want to when I'm talking about grandma, but they pick up on the things that you don't say. And like, how do I show him how to have healthy relationships if I can't even figure that out? with her, you know? And like, uh, where does that bound, like where you could draw all the boundaries in the world, but as you know, dealing with people like that, it's, and so I, I think that's part of the thing too. And I think, um, I mean, coming off of a week, I just, a weekend where, you know, my mom has been really great for the last few months. And then like, yes, literally last night pulled the rug back out from under me. And I'm like, why do I keep doing this? And, you know, it's so funny because even Noel was like, gosh, I didn't see it coming this time. Even mm -hmm. though we both were like, okay, prepare, prepare, prepare. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's a self-fulfilling prophecy because I think that's like, there are just, you just, there are patterns that recycle and you just know what's going to happen. Um, you just hope that maybe it's different this time. Um, but I think like at the end of the day, you know, I have this, wonderful partnership with someone who I worked really hard to have and it still worked. I mean, there are times when, you know, Noel and I will get into an argument or, or, or a disagreement and it's like those, those patterns, that pattern, it's like, I don't want to be my mom. I don't want to have that reaction. I don't want to have a, a tone or like a defensiveness. Um, mm -hmm. and that's hard to hear, you know, yeah. like, and it's hard to like, but you love the person and you want to get better and you want to be, you know, so it's the reality is the work never stops. You just hope that maybe you, you're working on a different part of it yeah. or you're just uncovering new truths to allow you to be just a more holistic, well-rounded person. Um, I love that. And I remember I had a therapist when my therapist one time said, Julie, you don't need character building. You got great character. You don't need any more character building things. Hmm. And I think the same goes for you, Emily. It's like, you have great character. And while you can look, because I always try to put a positive spin on things. I always like try to have like the glass half full perspective. And um, it's just innately who I am. I just like, I try to look things at things like, okay, what am I going to, what am I going to glean from this? Like what lesson am I going to grab from this? And sometimes it's just shitty. You know, yeah. sometimes you just got to ride through it. Like there's a quote that we, I used to say a lot when I would be in the, um, domestic violence support group. It's like, when you're in hell, just keep going. Like, mm. you just <laughs> want to get through it. Like you're in it. So keep walking because you don't want to stay there. And, yeah. um, I think it is, I think it's asking for support for mothers, which isn't easy. I think it's 
listening to other stories. Um, I think it's um, letting yourself mourn the loss of what you expected. Um, yeah. And knowing that like you attract wonderful things and that you're going to get on the other side of it, but you're just, you got to get through it first, you know? Yeah. I, I feel like that's where I'm at right now is like, I got to get through it. And because I'm such a planner, it's like, okay, I can get through it, but I just want to know what's on the other end. Like I want to plan, prepare and have, and I think that's been a real big lesson in letting go of that. And it's really cool to hear your story because we're talking, well, actually yours is a little past tense, but it's also still kind of bubbling up in some ways, but it's really cool to hear stories because it's like, yeah, these hard things happened and I quote unquote did the work and now look at the life I've created, you know, you and Noel, your family. And that doesn't mean it's perfect, but it's like, you're there. And I think that's, what's hard and frustrating for me doing this process is I just want to know what there looks like. And that's, that's going to be so unique to you, right? I know, I know, I know. And it's like, I just have to let go of that because first of all, I just won't ever know. And I won't, I'm not helping myself by letting those thoughts consume me. It's like, I need to be focusing my energy on the things that I can do. And like, I love what you said, if you're in hell, just keep going. And that can be as just as simple as just like, just put one foot in front of the other for today. And that's it. For today. Yeah. Or maybe even this hour. Yeah. Or maybe it's like for one hour of the day, you felt good. You know, yeah. I think that, and, and Emily, we're also in a pandemic. We're also in a collective. Oh, I know. We're also in a way that's like, uh, we're experiencing something as a, as a human race that we haven't experienced before. And there's the residual energy of that and the residual effects of that. And you did it all right. You did your best and it didn't work out. And that, that I think is hard, right? Like when I'm like, no, I, I showed up. I was my best self. It was supposed to work, you know, like, and then if it doesn't, it's, it's really hard. And even now it's like, because marriage is hard and we have, mo- and we're living in a pandemic and we have two kids under two and it's effing <laughs> insane. And oh, there are insane. still, there are still times where, you know, like if I, I, when Noel gets upset with me and I'm like, oh my God, he's going to leave me because like, I'm not lovable because I'm not good enough. And that there's that little part of me that still flares up that I have to deal with her first. <laughs> and yeah. then I have to say, okay, Julie, like, this is relationships. Like we, you aren't always going to be on the same page. You are going to have to navigate tough conversations. You guys are both humans that are constantly growing and constantly evolving. And just because you're now raising humans doesn't mean you're done, you know? Yeah. And I think that's so important to remember because, because again of my tasks and homework driven mindset is like, it's never done. So it's never like you're going to do these three things and then poof, the 
the magic happy ending happens. And then it's just nothing. It's like that classic. Have you heard that thing about how like Disney princess stories, it's like a detriment to young people, how they always end at the wedding or the first kiss or whatever. And it's like, especially a young American women, we were raised on this fairy tale story that ends and they don't show the nine year marriage of Ariel and Prince (laughs) Eric. When shit gets real. (laughs) And when kids are in the mix and all of this. Oh my God. Yeah. And so I think that's those, these are all just like good reminders for me because at my core, I am who I am. I'm always going to be this task driven person, but letting go of the expectation. And you're also going to have a new identity, like your identity is constantly evolving. So like, by the way, all of this that we've discussed, like that's what I got through to get to this point. And by the way, like the last year and a half through not just COVID, but like becoming a mother and, um, the job that I was working on coming to a natural conclusion and then seeking out to try to find what my next step was as I'm raising someone, as I'm, as I've changed my complete identity of like not being just Julie anymore, like that was and and loving being a mother, but also like, they don't tell you this, but like motherhood is lonely. Mm. Like, even if you have other mothers, like there are so many lonely moments Mm. and doesn't mean I love my child any less. Doesn't mean I don't love being his mother or their mother now. It's just, but it was really lonely and it was like, and really uncertain and you're, and you miss that part of yourself that can just go do something without having to worry. Um, the monotonous benign things that you no longer can just do alone. And I think navigating that has been, and then, and then checking back in with like, my patterns and like my, my default settings and like, okay, so how am I going to tackle this in a healthy way? And depression, like I'm not a depressed person, but I went through like a big bout of depression because it was just like this putting on this new self that I wasn't sure how to wear and, Mm. you know, and then getting pregnant again and like not being fully ready to do that, you know? Um, we did not plan my beautiful second son. And I'm grateful now every night when I put him down to sleep, I, I tell him, thank you for knowing your timing far better than we ever could because mm. I wouldn't have chosen it, but I'm so grateful he did. Yeah. Um, and he knew that he was supposed to be here. Uh, but that was really hard because oh. I felt like I was just getting my footing. And then I was like, no, no, <laughs> like you're still in this. Your body is not done yet. Um, oh, I can't so I think imagine that, that. I think, you know, and I, I, I say that understanding that there are women that struggle to get pregnant. I'm not saying it's all like, we all are going through our own personal struggle. It's like, how are we, but how do we navigate it? And how do we come out on the other side? And I really do think Emily, that you are someone who like, you're a type A, you're a go-getter, but you are someone who is like a truly remarkable person to watch and to be in the presence of. Like, you command a room, by, but also by giving people space. Like, think about a wedding and being a coordinator. Like, you are literally running that entire space, but yet you don't take it up. 
you know, but you've lived with people who take up any space that they are in. And to yeah. be able to be such a strong guiding presence without having to absorb and suck out all the air is pretty, pretty rare. Like you are a unicorn in so many ways and you will find that in all the areas of your life. That's what you're doing. So you've, you've found that in your professional space. You're navigating how to find that in other spaces of your life that I have no doubt that you will. It's just, you know, you thought you'd be there at 24, not 34. And that's okay. No, I think that's what I struggle with. I'm like, oh shit. Like I'm 38 now. I'm getting my footing back in my career, but like, am I just washed up? And Noel's like, you are not washed up. I'm like, but I'm like, I feel like I'm gone. You know, and it's just, it's just reimagining our, reimagining our expectations and letting go of expectations. Thank you. I appreciate you saying that. I, I feel like in my work, I've always been confident and I, I've generally been confident in my personal life as well, but it's relearning the confidence right now. So I think it's like good to be reminded. It's like, you're not shitty at your job. You're not shitty no. at life. <laughs> Cause sometimes you're not are- even shitty at relationships. You're just, it just like, you know, sometimes we just need the reminder that like, we're allowed to ask for more. We are allowed to be the ones that, um, are taken care of. We are allowed to find people who are willing to reciprocate. <laughs> you know, I think love language is a big thing too. That was one of the first questions Noah asked me, like what my love language was. Oh, and I think knowing how you give and receive love is such like a it's so interesting because like in any relationship, you know, how do you give and receive it? What makes you feel the most filled? I think knowing those is so key to life, and we actually did a whole series of those on our, on my other podcast, and yeah. Any, everyone should like read the book, know the languages. Yeah. yeah I, that's a huge, yeah. I should redo that actually. Yeah. Redo it girl. Cause you might, it might be different. <laughs> <laughs> that's a really good idea. Okay. I know I didn't ask you for homework, but I, <laughs> I think I want to do that. I'm going to literally, I just pulled out my to-do list and I'm just going to be like, love languages. Of course. I love that. Um, well, listen, speaking of you being a busy mom, I know that we've been talking for about an hour now, so I want to let you go, but I just so, so, so appreciate, I, I like think of you as such a wise person and I love your honesty and like your sensitivity is part of the reason why I like fell in love with you day one, because I don't know if you remember, but like we talked on the phone and I was having a very intense day and I was almost just taking the call as a favor to Rainy. I was like, I don't know if I can yep. take on this client, but she said she needs help. And I'm like literally driving home from a bone marrow. Uh, I yeah. was trying to donate my marrow to my friend who was dying and it was a very emotional day. And I was like, I do not want to talk to this bride right now. 
And I was like, probably not super professional. I was not my like typical Emily uh, intake call self. And I was like, listen, here's the deal. I'm driving back from Camarillo right now. And you just like met me where I was at. And I'm pretty sure like we both cried on the phone. Oh, for sure. I remember thinking that <laughs> I can like, you ever have those moments where you like visually you can remember meeting someone? Like you can just remember the whole feeling and like you're yeah. one of those people. I remember getting off the phone like, I don't know what she can take us, but I really like her. (laughs) And I got off the phone and was like, Rainy, I'm sorry. I was kind of a bitch earlier. Like I needed that call more than I think I realized. And so anyways, like I think there's a lot of people in my sphere, especially right now, who are telling me, I hate to say platitudes. I like to call them ice cream cones. Like it's something sweet to hold. and it'll go away in a few minutes. But a lot of people are like, you're so strong. You're so resilient. Like you've overcome so much in your life already. I know you can handle this. And like, yeah, that's why I don't want to fucking overcome this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it's kind of like, that's very nice and sweet of you to say, but like, you don't actually know me. So yeah. it's like interesting that you're speaking that over my life. And so I just automatically don't believe it. And so you're someone who I'm like, I know that you have gone through it and back several times. And I like to believe that like, you know, my heart and I love watching the way you lead in your life. So when you're saying things like that, it's like, okay, if Julie thinks it's true, then I can, I can like at least repeat it myself. So I appreciate that. And I really do Uh, look at you and Noelle as like, I mean, I don't really pay much attention to my couples. It's like, listen, I'm not your therapist. I'm not your pastor. It's not my job to make sure you're compatible, but like, God damn it. Your wedding will be a smashing success. (laughs) This is your first or your fifth. It's going to be beautiful. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but so because of that, I don't really pay much mind to that. And, but you guys were one of, there's like a handful of couples where it's like, pay attention to whatever they're doing. Cause like, I don't know what's happening, but that's what I'm looking for. And I even think in the years since your marriage or your wedding day, I was, I was noticing things that I'm like, okay, that's really interesting. Take note there, or that's not what mine looks like. So, you know, not that everyone's going to be the same, but no, no, no. But I, I will leave you with one thing that I do think I thought of you when we've been talking recently. And I think that you are such a powerhouse. You are a light. That's just who you are. You can't turn it off whatever you touch, you illuminate, whatever you decide and set your mind on, you accomplish. That's who you are. Thank you. It takes a very special individual, um, to have the confidence to stand next to you because I've noticed like in my moments where like when I decided to go on a a reality TV show to get a job, I I wasn't going to bring it up. I was like, I wonder if she wants to talk about that. And I put myself out there, by the way, wouldn't have done it without Noelle being my biggest cheerleader and telling me that I was good enough and that I was smart enough and that there yeah. was no doubt 
Cause I threw it, the ball to him and I was like, yo, you should do this. He's like, no, you are far smarter than me in so many ways. And I think you should, um, I wouldn't have done it without that support. And then going through that and, and taking on that job and having that spotlight and him during a time and a season in his life where he was struggling in his career and hated his job and yet never once made me feel guilty about it. Never once didn't want to hear about it. Never once didn't celebrate me. It takes a very strong human to stand next to another human who, who has a light and, and is, and is wanting to share it. And so I think for me, and like, those are the kind of moments where I just continue to fall in love with Noel be like, oh, wow, like you are willing to, it just, it's going to take a special person that can be, that needs to walk behind you, next to you, or in front of you, and can take any of the roles at any time with the, all the support and love. Yeah. And never makes you feel guilty for any of it. Yeah. That's so true. I think I need Because you are who you are, Emily. Like you're not going to, yeah. like the beautiful, like, big, wonderful parts of you should never change. Um, the, the smaller, more complicated, like, like less confident parts of you. Sure. Open those up, mm -hmm. like take the flashlight, dig in, figure it out. But at the end of the day, you're always going to be an accomplished person. You're always going to be able to cross off a massive to-do list. And so it's finding the people or people like the person or people that will walk with you through all of that. I love that. I'm going to write that down and like put it on a board in front of my desk. Like that's like, in fact, you just said my struggle is I want the end goal and I want to know what the end is. I've been thinking too literally, like that's the end goal. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. How can I be Emily? Mm -hmm. All the parts that I love about myself at the end of this with someone who's wanting to love all those same parts and love all the parts that I'm still working on. Yes. I love it. I think that's the perfect thing to end on today. Uh, I, just, I just love you. And I, uh, I love everything that you do. And I, even if we haven't seen each other, like I always think of you and I always keep tabs on you. And I just, oh, anything and everything, honestly, no one and I always say it, but like anything and everything you, you need. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm truly honest. Like, I don't know how I didn't cry throughout this entire thing. So I know. We, I mean, I teared up a little bit, but you know, it's also. <laughs> well, thank you so much for like being so honest and vulnerable and sharing your story and, um, oh, just give your little kiddos a big squeeze I for will. me. I cannot wait till we can like all be in person. Me too. Ugh. All right. Well, have a great rest okay. of your week, girl. Thank you. Bye. Bye. They asked her, how do you deal with heartbreak? She answered, be intentional with your time, use it to heal and use it to see your wholeness. Listen to your needs and truth, use boundaries to start fresh, let go of the tension you've been carrying and fill yourself with the love you have always wanted. Heartbreak does not need to be a sad ending. Let this be an era of remarkable growth.